looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. Sunday, the 30th of May. We've passed the post at Eagle Farm yesterday in no uncertain manner. It was a wonderful day of racing. It was a new concept. I'll talk more about this tomorrow morning, but it was Derby Day yesterday, and we haven't had a Derby Day since the early 70s, but they flocked there in their thousands. The weather was great again, and Nathan X will be the racing on paper. looked as though it was going to be a ripper, and it certainly panned out that way. It looked tough on paper and turned out that way too, but um, mm. it, it was great from go to woe there yesterday, David, and um, yeah, we've got some, some nice memories to take away from yesterday's meeting. Some nice memories and plenty to talk about, not only from yesterday's point of view, but for the future point of view, of course, in a fortnight's time. So let's swing straight into it. And we're going to go firstly to one of the group ones. This is the tab Kingsford Smith at the 1300 metres. It was a pretty open betting race, but in the end, Savatiano went off favourite at $4. The straight 300 left to run. Jogger leads away from Sava to excel. On the outside, Savatiano. Trekkie is starting to loom strongly. Dave Giselle getting up near the inside. Nicanova was too far back. Jogger in front, tricking, given full bore. Through on the inside, Senor Fox coming home strongly at big odds. Here's a good finish coming up. Jogger still in front. Senor Fox coming out. And Vega won. Jumped out of nowhere and won. Vega won, I don't believe it, has got up to beat either Jonker, Senor Fox, and up there as well, Sava to excel with Trekking, Victorum, Dame Giselle, Savatiano, Nicanova out back, Barbie, then came at the head of the others, well back was uh, Sosi Bon, Panino, Kementari, and Blaze Jowski and Gitra pulling up quickly towards the tail, Vega won, has jumped out of nowhere to win. And that was the case. I, I know if you were listening on radio, you probably thought uh, I'd missed it. But honestly, I've gone back and watched the replay, Nathan. And <laughs> and honestly, it was a, a, an extraordinary finish because you don't often see that happen. That horse was at the 50 metres, maybe about officially running eight. Yeah, that's right. And all of a sudden, bang. And he'd fought them all off, Jonker, too. You think, well, he's, he's fought them off and he's going to, going to win here. And... And the, what was the margin in the end? <laughs> well, it was, it, was, it was half a length. Half a length. Half a know, length. It was, uh, quite extraordinary. Well, I suppose the, the other person who uh, would best be able to describe that last 20 metres is the trainer, Tony Gollard, who prepared not only Vega 1 to uh, a Group 1 victory, but the Quinella with Jonker. Uh, he's been kind enough to give us his time this morning. And, Tony, firstly, congratulations. Uh, before we talk about that race... Uh, a wonderful thrill for you yesterday. Yeah, it was terrific. Uh, thanks, guys. Good morning. Yeah, it was great. Um, I didn't really know where to look either. I must admit, I was exactly like you guys. I, I sort of seen Vega was behind a wall of horses and probably, you know, assumed he was just going to run a really nice race and head to the Stradbroke in a couple of weeks. And I just thought Jonker was going to really hold them off. He was fighting like anything, Jonker. And all of a sudden, his yellow colours just managed to get through that gap and, and off he went. So, you know, awfully proud of both horses. You know, they did the whole stable really, really proud. And I know all the staff and everyone involved with it just absolutely thrilled. Yeah, that was the, the issue, wasn't it? You, you've actually, lucky you had two eyes because one <laughs> eye would be on Jonker holding <laughs> off this roughy Senor A. Fox, ca- yeah. hanging on, hanging on, as, as I say. And the other eye, all of a sudden, sees those yellow colours burst out late. Interesting point, Jamie Carr uh, said she had a good chat with Glenn Boss about Vega 1 and she actually wrote it to plan to, to hold him up, hold him up and then have a late burst. It came off. It nearly didn't come off, did it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, uh, a little bit later than what she wanted. I think when I was talking to her um, last night, she wanted to hold him up and, and just have one run at them. And so I don't think she had any idea where that run was going to come. At one stage, it's just amazing the way that she got through them gaps. There was just there was absolutely no run there at all, and was able to get through. So she's just a, a brilliant rider. She rides so well on field, and that was the instructions to her yesterday. Just go out there and, and ride the race how you see fit. There's no, no instructions from me. Just you ride him as he jumps and what sort of feel he gives you and enjoy yourself. Tony, he had the injury and <clears throat> each time this preparation, he sort of loomed to sort of win and then sort of peaked on his run. Had it been difficult to get him back to that peak fitness? Yeah, it hasn't. He's, he's a big horse. He's a big gelding. He's a big gross fella. And that's why I ran him that 1,000-metre race. You know, first up, I wouldn't normally do that, trial him a 1,000 Tuesday, then run him. But I, I just knew I had to get some miles into him. He was a long time off. And Lee Everson does an amazing job at rehabbing these soft tissue injury horses. I know you guys have had him on there before, you know, et cetera. So just had to get, just had to get the miles in his legs, just get some weight off him and have him ready for this race and the Stradbrook. Uh Interesting point about Vega 1. Um, 
he won the Gateways a four-year-old and the Magic Millions Cup as a four-year-old. He ran in last year's Stradbroke. He then had the suspensory issue. I suppose this is a tricky question. I'm, I'm trying to say, has, is he a better horse now, a year on, than last year, even allowing for that injury? Yeah, he definitely is. I said it to Peter Anastasia. Oh, sorry, I've got kids here everywhere. <laughs> I said to Peter Anastasia that when he come back this time, I said, I think the horse is, is a lot better than, than what he was last time. And I don't think he believed me. Uh, obviously, come back from a suspensory, you don't often think that's going to be the case, but he matured up nicely. He's a lovely, big, strong gelding now, and you know he's just a pleasure to train. I'd really, I really, I really can't thank Lee enough with the with the rehab he done on him. But you know, time's certainly been his horse's friend as, as far as maturing. I think your young one had her money on Jonker, and she was just watching the replay. That was the reason for all the wailing there in the background. Anyway, better luck next time. <laughs> it was. It, if if Vega one had not won, you would have sort of been walking away thinking, "Geez, um, Jonker, you must have been so proud of him." Sort of first run since since the Galaxy, he had that injury setback, and by God, he was brave. Yeah, he was, mate. He was nine weeks between runs, and obviously we had him ready for the ten thousand, and just went in there one Sunday morning and you know, affected back leg and uh, everything. He seemed to be not going well, but. You know, we got on good ground. You say at Eagle Farm. I was always confident he'd handle the surface, and I was, I was fairly confident at the 1300. Actually, to be honest, I thought he'd, he'd race like that and he'd fight hard. Um, he shifted his ground a little bit, so you know, probably the little setback just just played its part on me a touch late. But I thought he was excellent. You know, and Vega One runs into one more dead end, and Jonker's a Group One winner today. Mm. Well, Vega One's now six dollars <laughs> favourite for the Stradbroke. Of course, this market got turned on its head when Anton uh, didn't get the pathway that uh, they were hoping to. Uh, Jonker's at seventeen dollars. Will you run Jonker in the Stradbroke? No, I won't, mate. I'll um, I'll at this stage fourteen hundred. We're just too far for him. Uh, we'll reset and we'll head to the spring. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sorry, guys. Your kids are a bit full on here today. <laughs> we won't keep you long. Are you any closer <laughs> with Vega One in terms of a, j- a jockey clarification, Tony? Really hoping Jamie Carr stays. Um, I know she's putting good good thought into it. I haven't got the latest this morning, but when I was talking to her last night, she was. She was really putting some thought into staying up here rather than going back to Melbourne. I know she's, you know, really wants to get that hundred metro winners down there, which is, you know, it's an important goal goal of hers. And but it's also, I'd love her to stay up here for, for two weeks and ride in the track break. So hopefully she'll give me some good news today or tomorrow. But we'll just have to wait and see. Do we know what time her plane was supposed to leave? <laughs> if she wasn't on, she's staying, obviously, isn't she? She stayed last night. and She was meant to fly out today, so I'm just hoping that she didn't go. That she stayed up here. We'll be ringing her today then. Um, <laughs> Uh, your mum was there yesterday too. Yeah, no, it was great to have mum there yesterday. That you was... know, obviously the family's had a you know a bit of a rough year with dad mm. last year passing away, et cetera, and it was just fantastic for mum to be able to be there and you know, share a Group One win. So yeah, it was just brilliant. It was just an overall, just a really, really good day. We went in with you know, double figure odds, whole chances, but I was actually quietly confident they could both run really well. So. Yeah, the day just worked out beautifully, and it's just great for you know for the stable. Obviously, it was also good for Queensland and get a Group One. Yeah, you can't do much better than that in the training department. Quinella in Group One on your home track as the premier trainer. I think that's an outstanding result. Just before we let you go, a very honourable mention to Paladas. I thought he ran out, ran out of his oh, skin yeah. in the Fred Best. Yeah, he absolutely loves Eagle Farm. That horse. You know, we we'll talk about the track and look at with horses for courses. We know that, but he is the horse for that course. And I thought when he came off Anton's back, he had the race one. To be honest, mm. so did. Timmy Clark, he just thought Lady just sort of come out from under him a little bit, so you know, he, he really raised the bar he's a horse I think would be a really nice horse for the gateway in the summer, that's probably where, where I see him now, I think he's a, he's a really nice horse for the summer, he's still six months away but he's building along nicely I tell you what, you quit all the group one, if you can't please those kids without an under, how are you going to keep them quiet? <laughs> yeah, she's She's full on in this house this morning, big, that's for sure. Big lung <laughs> capacity. Thanks for your time. I know it's been a, 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 a well, it would be an enjoyable night last night, but it's a busy day today. It's 24-7. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Have a great day. Good on you, mate. Tony Gollan joining us this morning. He quinella the group one with Vega One and Jonker. So Vega One carries 53 in the Stradbroke now, and one would have, well, one would have to think that he's going to be a live chance. You would, but there's this just this curse for the horses who win that lead-up. You know, Thorn Park did the BDC Cup back in 2004, but that was when it was before the straight break. So when, as a final lead-up, you've got to go back to Campaign King as the last one to do it in 88. So it be interesting exercise to go through, David, and see how many actually dropped to 53. He's certainly well-placed now. He's going to be the best-placed well, best horse in the race as a Group 1 weight for age winner.
I mentioned the market got turned on its head. We'll talk about Ayrton shortly. But Wild Planet uh, at one point was the favourite until Vega One's race came along. He's at seven dollars. All these markets have changed now. Mister Quickie down to eight. Tafani at eight. The Herovian, Great Queensland Chance coming into the race fresh off the ten thousand and nine dollars. Ayrton's there at eleven, but he won't be there. And then then wider after that. And we'll talk about Apache Chase a bit later. But he trimmed down to seventeen dollars. So from the race yesterday. Um, from your point of view, any hard luck stories or, or, or you know, flashing red light stories? I couldn't find too many. No, and Trekking did this, exactly the same thing again, didn't he? He looked certain to win there yesterday and just didn't finish off. So that he's done that uh, three times here in mm. Brisbane, this, this um, it, carnival. He was wide no cover, but, you know, I can't have it both ways because I often say now with this track they can travel wide and mm. still be competitive. And... I think Tony Gollard, I didn't bring it up with him, but I think he makes a good point. He's always maintained, certainly in this zone, this 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 era, this chapter of Eagle Farm, that it's horses for courses. Mm. He's not never bags of tracks. It's horses for courses. Mm. Uh, it's a special track. We can see that by the times as well. Uh, but again, yesterday, uh, you saw all parts of the track used coming from all positions. Yeah, that's right. You, you know, the surface is one thing, but you can win from anywhere on this track, and and, and so they get their chance if they if they can handle it. So, look, Senor Fox was a, a nice run, mm. David, from a handicapping point of view. You know, Jonker, we heard's not not pressing on, but he was uh, he was enormous, Jonker. Um, three three horses had to be uh, cleared by the vet: mm. Gitra, Savatu Excel, and Savatiano. Three horses appeared in the stewards' report uh, after the Kingsford Smith Gitra. Lame near four. Savatu excel short striding in the near four. Savatiano lame in the near four. I don't need to say any more, do I? No, no. They're the facts. It's not opinion. They're the facts. Yeah. Gitra had a torrid run in transit. Mm. He he was entitled to drop out given the run that he had. Savatu excel he battled on fairly off the wide gate and only beaten 1.2. And Well, Savatiano's been... They've been threatening to retire her for three starts now, so that, that may well be it. Baron Vorster copped a suspension out of the race as well on his ride on Sava to excel. So that was the Tab Kingsford Smith Cup, as we said, uh, a key lead up to the Stradbroke and the Stradbroke changing complexion in a fortnight's time with Ayrton not being able to proceed there after getting beaten in the Fred Best. But plenty before that. Let's go to the other group one, the Moat and Shandon Queensland Derby. They're spread across the track. Achiever took the lead. Explosive Jack is getting through. Cucaracha is there. Senor Tober down the outside. A live chance. Achiever in front. Explosive Jack now shot the gap. Cucaracha goes with it. And Senor Tober goes with the wall. He's got a battle on his hands, Jack. Senor Tober and Cucaracha. Cucaracha and Senor Tober. They reach the line. Photo finish of the derby. Cucaracha or Senor Tober. Explosive Jack third. Achiever in fourth. Then horrifying. Followed by. Bucharest fortified, then Toscanini. Let's correct a deal. Sagacious, well back. Was at the head. And Cucaracha getting the, the bob in. The head went down at the right time to beat home Senor Toba. Explosive Jack going for his fourth derby. Had to be content with third place and Achiever in fourth. And speaking of Achiever, Chris Waller was the Achiever, wasn't he? First, second, and fourth in the derby. Yeah, it's a remarkable effort, isn't it? And he may well do the same in the Oaks this week. He's got six of the 17 left in, in the field. But um, he's come a long way, Cucaracha, since we saw him in the summer here winning a, a, a nondescript mile race. Yeah, in fact, uh, we go back a bit further with Cucaracha because uh, he actually ran, I think, in the Champagne Classic by Rothfire as a two-year-old here in our carnival last year. And as you said, we saw him in the summer and he won that mile race and... Uh, I've got to say, I was a little suspect about him running a strong 2,400 metres. But I think his owner was as well. His owner's there now. He'll, he can tell us if he was. Neville Morgan, firstly, congratulations. And what did you think? Did you think Kukaracha could be a little risk of the 2,400? Yeah, thanks, boys. And good morning. Yeah, look, I, I think that was obviously uh, the question we all had. Uh, the number of times I've asked through the last week as to how I assess his chances, I, I, I just said, look, if he runs 2,400 metres, he'll be in the finish for sure. And if he doesn't, he'll be in the back half of the field. And uh, we found out yesterday that he actually could run 2,400 metres. So it was good. You've got a lot of mile races, Neville, the big miles around Australia, the Golden Eagle. Is this the first classic race you've you've won as an owner? Um, yeah. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. We won the South Australian Derby with a horse called Kusanashi uh, that Richard Jolly trained. So... Uh, 
that was back in about 2013. So uh, uh, a great experience to win one in Brisbane. Yeah, it's been. A, I mean, it's been a good year. It's always great. But just saying to Tony Gollan, Quinella in that group one and the Kingsford Smith, lovely to win on your home turf and, and particularly races you haven't won this year. You've got a Magic Millions and, and a Queensland Derby. Very satisfying. Oh, it's been a great, uh, great five months, uh, David. And uh, look, I've been going to the races in Brisbane since the late sixties, and you know the Winter Carnival has always been a big part of the highlight of the year for for all of us, for probably mm. you guys as well. And uh, to win uh, to win a race uh, like the Derby uh, was just fantastic. As I said, we we saw him here, here over the summer. Never was there any in, indication at that time from Chris that you know, this this might be a horse that measures up through the Winter Carnival. Um, not, not, not really as a derby prospect, Nathan. Um, the guy, Mulcaster, who bought the horse for us was convinced that he'd run you know, 2,000 and further. Um, but he was a bit of a work in progress, like uh, a lot of our horses are. They tend, we don't, Shakira was like a, a little bit out of the left field that we had a two-year-old, an early season two-year-old winner. And most of our horses, uh, uh come good as uh, late two-year-olds, early three-year-olds, and, uh, so we had no great expectations and he was just in the system, as Chris said, and uh, he, he culminated in that win yesterday. We've seen the carnival revamped of sorts, Devil. Now we've got a derby day. I think it worked brilliantly for the BRC yesterday and, and for the for the punters in general. There's a race in two weeks' time, that 1.2 million Q22 on Stradbroke Day. Would Cucaracha be any chance of extending out to that? Oh, look, I think he would be. Uh, I spoke to Chris briefly about it last night. He's, um, as usual, Chris, he doesn't make decisions on race day. No, it's a cliche, but he, he doesn't. Um, and uh, he will have a think about that. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the form of the, that derby comes out. Normally in a bunch finish like that, they can't all be superstars or good horses, but you guys do the form. Uh, uh, I'll be interested to see how that race stands up in the spring. So do we hold on to him and try and get him to the spring or do we have a throw at the stumps of the race like that? I'm, I'm not sure at this stage. It's a, it's a good point you make. So often people like Nathan and myself, we look at a race, say, going into the race, we say, oh, it's a weak derby or it's, a, it's an ordinary size. And then all of a sudden, six months down the track you look back and say, hell, that was a good form line race. And I've got to say, you know, you've beaten a horse who's won three derbies explosive, Jack, and and that second horse, Senor Tober, who's been beaten a lip, well, that was only his, what, his sixth start yesterday, So, and Achiever was fourth. Then there was a bit of a gap to the others, so, you know, just, you know, first glance, which I know is pretty um, um, uh, superficial to a degree, but it looks like a good form race. Well, they they brought, all brought different form lines into the race. Mm. Senior Tober had the Sydney form, obviously, Explosive Jack from South Australia, and Tasmania, and, of course, the AJ, or the ATC derby. And we had the traditional lead up through the guineas and the uh, rough habits. So it was uh, it was interesting to see them go across the line together. And as you say, there was a fair gap to the uh, to the uh, fourth horse and I, uh, to the third, uh, fifth horse. I'm sorry. And I know that Chris has always had a very good opinion of Senior Tober. So that gives me some hope going forward. That you know, I think I think Cookerach probably one of its merits. I know there may have been some excuses for Explosive Jack, but. He, he was there to be beaten, uh, and uh, I, I suspect that even Senior Tober may have got in front of him. Uh, I'm not quite sure about Explosive Jack, but he, he was there to be beaten, and he managed to stick his nose out in the line. You said it was going to be subdued celebrations last night because the, 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 the two girls who normally lead the party at your place were sort of out of play from a party perspective. Yeah, yeah, they're both uh, both uh, in the process of bringing up very young children, and... Uh, and uh, the normal party crowd like James and uh, uh, not so much Chris, but James and Guy Mulcaster. James went back to Sydney for a 40th birthday party and Guy went back to the coast. So uh, I was very quiet, Nathan. We were home <laughs> watching uh, the football by about 8.30, which is totally against the run of play when, uh, when we have a winner like this. Now, well, just before we go, we don't get the chance to talk to you too often. I just want to talk a bit broader for, for our listeners out there who see your colours. They see you in a lot of races. From an owning point of view and this might be a this question might sound a bit silly but i think a lot of people would be interested as an owner you know uh, do, you, do you work to a budget each year and say if you have a, a better year you spend more how does it work uh 
David, that's a good question. We, we, we tend not to buy expensive horses. Mm. I, I've been very lucky with, uh, to be associated with a guy like Guy Mycaster, who I think we've had something like 10 Group 1s and uh, maybe a Golden Eagle and a, and, a, and, a, and a Magic Million. So I think Guy's been involved in the purchasing of probably eight of those. But out of those races, so he knows the sort of horses that I like to budget, uh, like to buy. We certainly do budget at the sales. I buy uh, a, a couple in New Zealand, a couple at Magic Millions. Uh, most of them go to Chris. Uh, I send a few to, uh, or I send one or two to Richard Jolly in Adelaide every year, who I've had a great association with. So there, there, there is a budget there, and. Uh, it's mainly, mainly based on the numbers of horses that I buy rather than the actual sales value. We, we tend not to buy horses. If we buy a horse over $400,000, it's a real stretch for us. Obviously, it's an operation that's working well. Congratulations on the Derby win yesterday and many more successes ahead. Thanks a lot. appreciate your interest. Devil Morgan joining us this morning. I wasn't going to say that man with the Midas touch. I think he doesn't like that. And, um, he get, it wears a bit thin. But, by gee, he's, um, he does enjoy good success. But, you know, you, you put the money in, you, you, you get the results out. Yeah, that's right. It um, remains quite modest about it all. And Guy Mulcaster has been such a key ingredient in a lot of, obviously, Neville's success, but also Chris Waller's as well. I thought he made a good point, Neville Morgan. Cucaracha was there to be beaten. Explosive Jack got up on his inside. Senior Tabor came up on his outside. And they, they kept company in the run, those two big guns of the market. Uh, Explosive Jack went one way. Senior Tabor came to the outside. I've got to say, I was watching them all the way in the call. And when I saw Senior Tabor, he's a grace, so you can't miss him. I couldn't find Explosive Jack. And I'm saying, where the hell is he? Yeah. But I see Kieran Ma made a post-race comment that, and without you know saying he was a good thing beaten or far from it, but if there was any sort of excuse, he may have been better coming to the outside and winding up with momentum. Mm. It, it it wasn't like he had the best momentum, did he? No, but even when he got clear, like I spoke to John Allen post-race, and his comment was he possibly didn't stretch out as well on a, on a firmer track yesterday mm. than what he'd uh, won the previous two derbies on. I think Senor Tober's going to be a really nice yeah, horse. It's funny you sort of look at the six months crystal ball and I think back to shocking he got beaten in this race in 2009 I think it was a John Wheeler horse that won that derby that year and I don't think he went on to do much but then shocking was the one that emerged out of it and as you say so with only seven starts under the belt Senor Tober he does have a good future but I thought it was a brilliant ride on Senor Tober from Hugh Bowman. he didn't oh, concede from the gate he went forward he got in one off the fence outside the favourite um he did it twice because his, his ride on um, Port Louis in the previous was brilliant as well for, off a wide gate. Oh, you stole my thunder. I was going to say the best losing ride yesterday yeah. was Port Louis. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that shortly, but uh, you're right. Senor Tober, once I spotted there, one off, mm. and uh, he he did he did his uh, best. Just talking about Cucaracha and that um, uh, Q22, as we know, Zaki dominates the market at $1.60. There's two schools of thought uh, coming into that race. Uh, it's It's presented... Something of a conundrum for the BRC and, and, and the Carnival. Uh, the presence of Zaki mm. is a great one from a from a promotional point of view, uh, but does he scare all the horses off? And the two schools of thought there is, well, he might scare them all off. The other school of thought is, well, there's really good money for second and third. You as take well. out the first place, it's still still a half a million dollar race. So, and I asked Chris Waller that yesterday. Any chance either of two? And 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 he said he's certainly going to give it consideration. He said it's a race that he appreciates the work that's gone into putting it on. He said it's a race that deserves support and I'll give it really strong consideration. And I'm sure Matt Rudolph out there would be a very <laughs> happy man this morning knowing that the Derby winner came through the Guineas, the Rough Habit and in, then into the Derby. Well, two the, weeks, two weeks. The Guineas, <laughs> which was widely panned in some quarters, provided uh, Apache Chase was second and uh, Cucaracha was third in it. Yeah, good point, good point. Let's press on. You just mentioned Apache Chase. We're going to go back to the Fred Best Classic. This was the race that created... A lot of conversation. Was Ayrton going to win and then go to the Stradbroke as a favourite? Here's the replay. Dorana, Apache Chase, the Catch Me If You Can tactics we've seen so many times before. And he loves Eagle Farmer. He straightens in front of Holyfield by length and a quarter. Now Carr getting to work on Ayrton, starting to chip away at this margin of Apache Chase. Then came Counter Rupee, and the, the head of the others was Paladas. Apache Chase still in front. Ayrton slowly but surely bridging the gap. Amish boys coming strongly. Ayrton, no good thing at this point. The leader, Apache Chase. Ayrton, Amish boy. Here comes the post. Apache Chase. He 
held on. Apache chased me, Amish boy. It's on third. Every possible. Then came Paladas, followed by Midland, Glitter Strip. Well back was Count de Rupee. Then came Holyfield, not an option. Simply fly, aim, and exobu. Apache Chase, uh, they ignored his wonderful Eagle Farm record at their peril. He was sent out an $11 chance, and he certainly um, again delivered that performance. Catch me if you can, and they couldn't. Uh, Ayrton got to within a head, and then a short half head to Amish Boy in third. Yeah, it was a terrific race, and they had their chance to beat him, and he just kept finding, didn't he? So, he, as you say, terrific horse at Eagle Farm, and back to 1,400 metres, just perfect for him yesterday. He's won five races from 13 starts, Apache Chase, all at Eagle Farm, four of them at 1,400, one at 1,500, and uh, yesterday, of course, was Group 3. He won the Group 3 Vayrogue in the summer, and he won the listed Daybreak Lover uh, only uh, a month ago. So loves the track, and he's going to carry, well, he's allotted 49 mm. and a half of the Stradbroke, but uh, if Jim Byrne takes the ride, uh, they've conceded to ride, uh, him allowing to ride a kilo overweight. Yeah, that's right. So... Um it's going to be a tough couple of weeks for Jim Byrne. Well, let's see if it is. He's on the line now. <laughs> Jim, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you? Is it going to be a tough couple of weeks? Yeah, it's definitely going to be. <laughs> it's definitely not going to be an easy couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, look, uh, um, I don't think uh, there's ever an opportunity more uh, to win a straight break than, than this horse here. I think um, going going around at uh, 50 and a half, because that's probably right on the edge of where I can get to, um, you know, going around at fifty and a half, uh, he's going to take some catching. So I, I just, I just can't miss miss the opportunity. Just for just for the listeners, tell us what you ride comfortably at. Oh look, I, I ride com. I mean, I can get down to the fifty two without any sweating. Right. Uh, the fifty two and a half, I should say, uh, without any sweating or or do, doing any changing in my routine or anything like that. Um, but obviously, getting down to the fifty and a half, you've really got to start um, cutting and you're cutting body mass you're not cutting um, fluid or anything like that uh, for the most part I'm not I, I don't carry too much weight too much excess weight um, so it's just basically by the t- body by the time it gets down to race day uh, it'll be all fluid thereafter so um, I've just gotta it's just something I think you've got to do but keep in mind you've got to also be very mindful that you've got to um, just making weights one thing. You still got to make sure that you're, the, you know, you, you're in the right frame, uh, right frame of mind, um, mentally as as well as uh, physically. Jim, I'd like an insight into the mindset going into a race that, like yesterday, there's so much talk about Ayrton and almost an assumption in some quarters that he would win and go into the straight break. So as a rival on a, the horse that looked, you know, second pick in the race, how did you approach that race yesterday? Well, uh, well, uh, for mine. Um, I've always, I've, I've always thought just just be confident in your own horse. Just go out there and ride your own horse. And look, uh, ultimately, if Ayrton's, um good enough, he's going to be running passes. Uh, so my thoughts were going into yesterday is you know just get my horse in the rhythm that I normally do. And um, you know at the at the at the three hundred um, when he when he gave me a really good kick, I'm thinking well he's really got to really got to press pretty hard. So going. Into the race, I was confident that the horse, in my horse's ability, um, still unsure about uh, how good Ayrton is. So if he if if he was going to uh, catch us, he definitely had to bring his A game. Basically, the rhythm of Apache Chase is something we've seen regularly now, and 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 you're in lockstep with him. Uh, it seems just watching him, he, he's a push button horse to ride. Is, is that a, a fair assessment? Sort of. Um, he, he's a he's a sort of horse. If you try to hold him up uh, too much, um, he's, he can he starts to get on one rein a little bit. So um, it's like he's got an internal clock in, in himself. Uh, so you you basically once he's out and starting to roll along a bit, and you can start to count him down each furlong. Uh, even yesterday, I'm thinking oh, we got a little bit too quick here, mate. So we start to try and bring him back that half a second, and I'm, I'm like, it sounds like. Um, such a minute time period, but in actual fact, it's you know it's good three lengths. They're about for a half second, sort of. So you, it's fairly easy to, um, to 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 gauge it, especially in a race. Um, 
he just makes it a little bit more difficult because he's wanting to roll that half second quicker than what you're wanting to go sort of scenario. So you just find that happy medium with him. Mm. Um, he is very much a, a push-button horse, and, and Des has done a great job in getting him just to switch down. Uh, previously, uh, I always thought that if we could get him in that second pair where he's completely switched off, he'd have that amazing turn of foot. Um, but I just started. I, I was reading him wrong. I was reading too much into him. Uh, he's one of those horses that just likes to go out and just run his own show. And um, the more you let him do that, the harder he is to get to. So um, that's the easiest way to read the horse is just let the horse do what he does best and let's go out and just run his own time and run his own race. Jim Desley gave one of the, the great performances of uh, post-race celebrations yesterday. Uh, what sort of comments was she making to you in the, the, the lead-up to the race? <laughs> yeah, she looked, look, um, I, for mine, any winner for Des is always great. I've, I've, I've had a long association with her, um, all, all the way back to when I was very young doing Peter Moody's riding up here. Um, Des has always just just had confidence in just letting you do what do what you do. Um, she gets she prepares them, she prepares them so well, um, and all she ever says to you is, "I'm mean, like, you know." You know the horse. You know, just ride the race. You know the horse. Um, so it's 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 fairly easy to ride for. She's always been very easy to ride for. But um, if going into those sort of races, um, you know, she can get a little bit angsty. But uh, for the most part, she's pretty. <laughs> she's pretty. She's pretty easy to get going with. The other feature about this horse, Apache Chase, and he's, he's got he ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't he? He's going to come in, you know, beautifully at the weights. We know that, that you and he are a great combination. You get that rhythm going. But the other feature of this horse, he's bloody hard to get past. That's, uh, for mine, that's that's the the key to him is that is that's the reason why you've, you've got to have a proper go at it um, because I just don't, I don't see an opportunity in a, to, to, to win a Stradbroke, a, a more, uh, a, a better opportunity to win a Stradbroke um, than this horse uh, because he's just one of those horses that goes out there, he makes his own luck and he's doing this with 59s and, 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 and 57 yesterday. Um, lo and behold, you put him around at 50 and a half, it's going to take one hell of a horse to get past him. Uh, Jim, you denied Jamie Carr in that particular race but later on she's denied you a Group 1 winner. Did you think you'd had it won on, on Jonker? I was pretty confident coming to the 50 but... Uh, all of a sudden, she she soon, uh, soon shot me in the foot because Vega uh, won. Uh, and, 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 you know, look, Jonka moved out a little bit and kind of crammed the field up a little bit more. So, um, you know, it was just just one of those races. So I think, uh, you know, congratulations to Tony. Uh, it was a good effort. Um, and he's always had that had the confidence in uh, in, in Vega 1. Um that the horse was a true Group One horse, and and uh, look, you know, he, he was able to beat us yesterday. Beat us fair and square as well. So, um, you know, Jonka done a great job, uh, and I mean, like Jamie, she's just a you know fantastic rider. She's, uh, you know, congratulations to her. Does it seem like twenty two years ago you won your other Stradbroke on Adam? <laughs> it does actually, because it's one of those races that uh, <laughs> I've been wanting to win for a while, and uh, you know, I mean, I won a. When you're when you're able to win it very young, um, and not to be able to reach that pinnacle again, uh, it's uh, definitely one of those things that are burning in the back pocket. You definitely want to uh, try and get another one. That's for sure. You rode Adam at 53 kilos that day, and you started the 11 to two favourite. I'm sure you you remember the race well. I do. Um, uh, again, very very similar horse to Apache. Mm. Apache, um, where he gets out and he puts himself right on speed, uh, and and. City Fair was the the horse that uh, we just got over the top of, uh, and I think he had 49 kilos. So, um, you know, that tells you, uh, you know, the, the straight break is a proper handicap, and it's a it's a race that uh, does favour horses that uh, carry light weights. Jim, thanks for your time this morning. We do appreciate it. Good on you, boys. Jimmy Byrne uh, joining us this morning. Let's continue the Apache Chase story, and trainer Desley Forster's with us now. Good morning, Desley. How are you this morning? Is she there? Yeah. How are you, Desley? Hello. We're here, Desley. Got us? Hello. Hey, nice. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Congratulations yesterday. We just finished talking to Jimmy, and I said to Jim, you gave one of the great post-race celebrations yesterday. Was that rehearsed or it just came out? 
No, it just came out, as I said. <laughs> Probably been a bit... Plenty of hype around, so, yeah, no, it was good. Desley, uh, I suppose the, the first pertinent question is, uh, how has he done overnight at Patchy Chase? He up well, everything A-OK? Yeah, no, he's, he's eating up really well and he was nice and bright this morning and so, yeah, no, so everything's good so far. We'll just say to Jimmy, uh, and, and I'm sure you'd agree, so many things to like about this horse, you know, from a Stradbroke point of view, we know it's going to be a, a hell of a lot harder task, of course it is, but the light weight, he loves Eagle Farm, he rolls forward, makes his own luck and, and he's he's hard to get past, he's a, he's a bulldog, he's, a, he's always in for the fight. Yeah, exactly, as I said, and as I said, probably... Like he's out in the mid, probably from about the 800, probably two, probably to the 300 where he gets them all off to Burrell and, and they're all under pressure, a long way out chasing him. And so, yeah, no, I said he just loves the fight and and good thing about it, he sticks his head out the right place. There's so much talk about Ayrton in the lead-up to yesterday's race, Des, but you were one of the few that weren't too perturbed by him being there. Uh, no, no, I said, like, when you... Um, they said Apache hasn't done any wrong. He, he hasn't done wrong, nothing wrong whole a whole prep really. The only thing he's been is on wet tracks, which hasn't helped him. And they said go on there yesterday. I said it's good when you have a horse like Eagle Farm. My opinion is sort of a horse for courses at the moment. And if you've got a horse that likes Eagle Farm and handles it, it's a advantage to you. And when it's in your backyard, it also helps as well. I think you were quoted as saying you've never had a runner in a strand break. You had one that was an emergency. What was it? Uh, too good to refuse. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, well, he's um, it's all ticking over nicely now into uh, seventeen dollars and uh, and and you know I, I, quite a good gesture too. You've allowed uh, Jimmy to, to ride that kilo over. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Jimmy's. I asked Jimmy. He said, "I said you ride the kilo over," and uh, to Jimmy's thing, he said. He didn't think about it. He said he'd, he'd, he'd be happy to ride mm. to try and get down to the 50 and a half. You say Eagle Farm's are horses for courses. You've got another Eagle Farm horse to go around next week, Georgie's Pride. We'll see her again. Uh, yep. She runs in the Queensland Day race, uh, 1,200-metre three-year-old fillage race. A uh, three-year-old, sorry. Yeah, and, 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 well, as Nathan said, loves Eagle Farm. And, uh, you, uh, you know, I've got to give credit where it's due. I mean... You've really managed her campaign well this year, considering we've, you know, you've spaced her runs, and she just keeps, she doesn't just arrive yeah. on the day; she wins by good margins. Yeah, as I said, she's a bit like um, Apache Chase. They, she gets into a rhythm, and they can run on really high. They got really high cruising speeds, and they got they can wheel off some really good sectionals. And um, as I said, they've kept them apart because they've both got the same racing pattern. They probably wouldn't do anything. Apache Chase is probably just a little bit more thing. He's probably a little bit more controllable in speed-wise, where Georgie, she just wants to get out there and just get on with it sort of thing. Good on you, Desley. Always great to see you win a race, and uh, great for Queensland as well during the carnival, and uh, we'll follow Apache Chase carefully over the next fortnight. Thanks, David. Thanks, Nathan. Desley Forster joining us this morning, and, uh, well, it was a race that was a major talking point, and... Uh, Ayrton wasn't good enough, and, and, and Mick Price, as as we expect, um, you know, handles it very well. He said, beaten fair and square. Yeah, that's right. And the talk did sort of change towards the end of the week, sort of hosing down the, the Stradbroke talk. Mm. Hopefully we do get to see him again on Stradbroke Day, David, in the, the Group 3 guns in. I think Mick Price indicated that he probably would go to that race. So up to the mile, I think he he'll, he can atone, and then we'll see later in the year that he, he'll, he'll be a good horse. Gee, Amish boy was outstanding on the clock. He was a clear last, and uh, he hunted the rail on the strap, but he made up many lengths. And you say, oh, next time, he keeps <laughs> on that one win against his name. Yeah, that's right. But this is a horse that's placed in a new market. And mm. Post-race, Hugh Bowman was very taken with the run. He said, you know, if he managed to sneak a run in the Stradbroke, he wouldn't be without his yeah. chance in the race. Let's uh, carry on. Let's go. We've come off on the, the Group uh, 1s and also the Fred Best, which was a Group 3 level. Let's go to the Group 2 size produce. This race had plenty of depth to it. Capacity, near capacity field of 17. And Ranch Hand was heavily backed. The Waller Runner, $5.50.
the size produce field swing the turn flatten for home Miss Hipstar and Rhapsody Rose about to be joined by Prince of Boom who's had a tough run overpass going to the inside then Tiger Heart Tiger of Malay starts to wind up at the right time then came Glen Eagles Port Louis about two behind them Red Sham with five or six to make up Tiger of Malay going great guns and going for home in the size but Port Louis gets out he'll finish like a train Tiger of Malay though still has the lead a length in front look at Converge flying Tiger of Malay in front and one beat Converge Port Louis third fourth maybe overpass they're followed then by Yardis Kodahili Subterranean Ranch Hand Invincible Tears well back in the field then at the head of the others was Prince of Boob who knocked up after a wide run then came Glen Eagles and amongst the tail enders Badini's girl Baby Wong well back Miss Hipstar Tiger Heart and Dark Rebel Craig Williams stepping in for Mark Zara gave Tiger of Malay a good run in transit. He responded well and holding off uh, a big finish from Converge and also Port Louis. He, he was holding at the time and then he held off Converge Nathan to school. Yeah, he did. And as you say, he, he got the right run and he sprinted quickly to sort of put that race away. And I think the second and third, obviously, eye catches from a JJ Atkins' point of view, but Tiger of Malay got the honours yesterday. Richard Friedman, who, of course, trains in partnership with his brother Michael, uh, is joining us now online. Richard, good morning. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Uh, much appreciated. What chance did you give Tiger of Malay going into the race? He started at $17. Well, Michael's got him over at Randwick, and he probably, you know, spends more uh, more thinking time on that horse than, than, than I perhaps do. But um, I was speaking to him about it, and he said he's a much better chance than his, uh, than his price would reflect. And I would have agreed with that too, because he really hasn't had much luck in a lot of his previous starts. He's just drawn badly and... You know, he got the wrong sort of track and he got back on a firm track yesterday and and uh, drew a better gate and, you know, that gave him his chance. I don't think he's run badly his whole prep. Um, Rich, this is our extreme choice. He doesn't have huge numbers, but you guys are obviously very fond of him given what you've been able to achieve <laughs> with his progeny this season. Well, yeah, we bought one who turned out all right and won the slipper <laughs> and then we were given the, the, the second one, um, Tiger of Malay, and yeah, he's a quite extraordinary, you know, for the limited number of horses that he's got. The, the results he's achieved in his first season are, are quite extraordinary. Yesterday, of course, was Group Two, but it was still a million-dollar race. But I suppose, in sorts, the grand final is in two weeks' time. The question I'll put to you: We go to the mile. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll visually keep remembering yesterday. Converge flashing at the end. What are your thoughts about Tiger of Malay at the mile? Well. I think I'd be guided by Craig Williams, who was adamant that he would run the mile and would be better suited at it. So I think Craig's ridden a few decent milers in his time, and and uh, I think you've got to take that on board. He he is a horse that can grind away at his top for quite some time. We've seen him do it on a number of occasions where he, he sort of ground home in races. And and yesterday, as you say, um, the the third the third horse came at him and looked like he was going to go straight past him, and he beat that one off and he just kept grinding to the line you know yeah that's that's exactly right so it's, it's but it's a nice nice result to be in a million dollar race group two group one regardless oh look they're, they're, all those group races for two-year-olds are incredibly valuable to them i mean horses that are um you know have stallion prospects you know any of those group races as two-year-olds are worth a gold give us a bit of insight what's happening with stay inside at the moment uh he's just gone back into work uh, just basically doing a bit of trotting and cantering at the moment, and then he'll, uh, you know, it'll gradually step up through the, the course of the next month or so. We've just got to have him ready to go early in the spring, and and uh, you know, I think he'll come back well. That horse, he's had a decent spell because you know he, he didn't race on through the size in Sydney or into the Champagne, so and he had a decent spell in Queensland where it's you know somewhat warmer than it is in New South Wales, and he did tremendously well. Um, so, you know, he's every chance to come back. Outside of the immediate connections, the person sporting the biggest smile there at Eagle Farm after Tiger Malay was, was BJ Smith, and he said, gee, I love having these horses come to a stable. <laughs> and I think he might have had something on because he was quite taken with how well the horse had done from his previous run. Well, since we've sort of... We, we hooked up with BJ uh, during COVID when we couldn't send staff at all to, uh, to Queensland because of the border closures, etc. So... You know, we started sending horses up there to BJ's stable and BJ just looks after them. You know, he just take delivery of them on a Thursday morning and run them on a Saturday and sometimes they'd be back on a float on a Sunday. But it, it sort of progressed from there and he's he's been really uh, integral in, in 
you know, the recent success we've had this year. I think we've had a lot of winners this year up there compared to the number of runners we've had up there. So, you know, BJ still got it. <laughs> he prefers if uh, you're not here. He puts the chest out. You should see him stride out of the enclosure and, and then just, you know, nods either way. You know, I'm looking after it now. And, and he does it. He knows he does it. <laughs> of course. Well, why wouldn't he? I mean, he's, you know, he's putting the finishing touches on. <laughs> hey, thanks for your time this morning. Congratulations. No, it's always a pleasure, boys. Anytime. Richard Freeman joining us uh, in partnership with uh, Michael and Tiger of Malay winning. Converge should have won, Nathan. Do you like me saying that to <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, look, you've got a cop it sweet, but um, uh, at least the, the judgment was right. I couldn't work out why it was such a big price, but um, didn't expect to see him where he was. No. So, But that added a new string to his bow. You said, I thought... I know he'd won over the mile in Sydney, but he was sort of gunned down in the champagne, in the champagne sort of thing. Or maybe he's not a mile; he's more fourteen hundred. But what we saw yesterday, the, the mile won't be any dramas whatsoever. He didn't seem to begin as well as he normally can. And Tim Clark, for a brief moment, thought better push on. Then he could just see this swarm of horses on his inside, grabbed hold, and then said, "Well, you know, we're going to Plan B that we never considered. Let's see how this works out." But what further compounded the issue was in the early part of the yeah. straight. I think twice there he, he went for a run and it didn't eventuate. Yeah. And then once he got out, it was a, that dynamic finish. You'd have to say, and, and, and Port Louis beautifully ridden, uh, I thought you know, sort of had his chance that last part. But that race, which is a clear dress rehearsal for the Atkins, uh, I wouldn't see anything behind that trio featuring strongly from a winning point of view. You wouldn't think so. You'd have to have something coming from left field from, mm. from interstate now. Uh, one thing about Port Louis, he looked the winner, but he hadn't raced for some time, similar to Converge. I'd say he'll come on pretty pretty well from that. The market suggests what we're saying as well. Converge, $4, Port Louis at 5 and Tiger of Malay is at $7. I see I've been there to the market there at $13. My mail has been sold to Hong Kong. Okay. But uh, I can't well, confirm I'm not that. not going to argue with your mail. No. But he's got all that form around Port Louis and, mm. and Converge finishing alongside them. Exactly. Let's continue on. There's some good staying races yesterday. Let's go firstly to the Lord Mayor's Cup at 1,800 metres. And this was a Group 3 event and again an open market. Holmesman now declares war on to Tiptronic at the 600 metres. They stretch away by three quick thinker. Reloaded, two illicit, pulled to the outside. Then the Candyman lure me in. Followed by Vanna Girl starting to get a move on. Working into the picture. Then so you win. Victory 8, shop till I drop. And Hangman, Holmesman is flat out. Grabbed by Reloaded. Two illicit on the outside. The Candyman looking for a run. So you win, threading the needle. And Vanna Girl continues to run on. Reloaded, reach the lead with 100 metres left. To go. There's a wall chasing. So you win's getting close. Vanna Girl flatlining. Reloaded is still in front and Reloaded will win. Reloaded. Beat home. So you win. Photo third. The Candyman or Homesman and Vanna Girl out wider. Then shop till I drop. Lurby in victory eight. Followed by two illicit hangman and quick figure last bar one. Tiptronic. A lot different broadcasts of the class one of Doomben when one said never, ever, ever, ever again with Reloaded but uh, yesterday. But this is a horse and, and, you know, it seems pretty simple as Chris Waller explains. Well, it sounds simple, but as, as he said, it's not simple to do to get their confidence back. But uh, he seems to have got it back in truckloads. Big believer in confidence also. They gelded this horse and Chris said it's not an instant fix, the gelding for a lot of horses. It does take a little time. He said the owners were going to sell this horse and he said I begged them not to sell because they said, be, he said be patient and you'll be rewarded in the end. So he's, it's taken a while but um, he's been proven correct again. And Chris Waller's uh, dominance of our winter carnivals continues. Of course we saw him Quinella the derby. Quinella this race as well with So You in second and I know I say he's got his hoof on the till. It's harder this time of year, but he's racing really well. And Holmesman, to me, doesn't seem to be quite there. I thought he had his chance. Yeah, he did. It'd be interesting if they press onto the Q22 with him. He's given, he's mm. been given that type of preparation. He's up here, so there'd be no reason why he wouldn't. He'll, he'll run well in that. He, he did have to do a bit of work. Like they, as you said in the call, they poured it on a fair way from home. Yeah, time was good. Uh, I think the time's now. A little slower at Eagle Farm, but they broke fifty there, and that's uh, that's fair, f- better than fair going. One forty nine sixty two, good pass marks to Vanna Girl fourth and the Candyman fifth. Two locals. Let's turn our attention now to the Premiers Cup, twenty four hundred metres, and the favourite was Ladon Devi.
Fully homeward bound of the Premier's Cup. La Donda V led the way. Cariff now is a strong and fresh challenger. La Donda V is gone. Cariff ran to the lead. Spirit Ridge after it. Battling away Lord Belvedere. Paths of Glory and Rondanella down the outside. 100 left to run. Cariff's got the lead. Spirit Ridge a length behind it. Paths of Glory trying to close. Cariff in front. Spirit Ridge charged and got up. Spirit Ridge won the Premier's Cup. Beat home Cariff and third Paths of Glory. Not sure about fourth Ron. Dinella Rolladonda V, then Brimham Rocks, Lord Belvedere, Southern France, Bahamadeus, Wellback Avion, Fury, Alakahan, and Ray McCash. Ray McCash is lost over the line. Josh Parr running Spirit Ridge for Mark Unum, who wasn't there yesterday, but uh, Spirit Ridge, uh, a good game win running down Cariff. Yeah, for a long time it didn't look like it was going to be Jamie Carr's day there. Yesterday got beaten on the favourite, well, easing favourite in the first, then Ayrton went under, and then Cariff had this race won everywhere bar the post, but obviously she atoned on, on Vega 1. I think this race augurs well for the Brisbane Cup, David, in a couple of weeks, back to 3,200 metres this mm. year, the, the Brisbane Cup. Cariff, we saw him win over two miles at Sandown, Sandown last yeah. spring. Yeah. And uh, I like Rondonella's run. Yeah, she uh, ran well in the Sydney Cup, so she's yeah, on target. That had a, a Brisbane Cup flashing light all over it. Will Spirit, where will Spirit Ridge go? Will he go to the Cup? Well, he struggled in the Sydney Cup a bit, Spirit Ridge, so mm. I'm not sure. Other races yesterday, Profit won the first for um, Chris Anderson and James McDonald, the first leg of a riding treble. J-Mac's been the rider of the carnival. I was just mm. going through the, uh, the the races. He won a double at the Gold Coast. He won a double on 10,000 Day. Of course, he won on Zaki and that uh, demolition of the Demon Cup into the treble yesterday. Profit well backed. This week marks 10 years since James McDonald won his first Group 1 in Australia on the Scarlet Lady in the Queensland Oaks. Yeah. Good win by Profit. Um, he, he's been sort of a malign galloper, but the, the punters weren't maligning him yesterday. They put the money on and they and they the price collected. in the run, like, he was that far back. He's, oh, there's no hope. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned Jamie Carr. She was on Fashion Hill, uh, an, an easing. In fact, it lost favouritism. Profit uh, ran the favourite, but the, she said it over racious went too keenly. But Profit winning the first. Good to see David Murphy win with Genzai the Wolf. I couldn't have had it, but uh, it came and knocked me off on Dr. Weimer. <laughs> Another example of a horse that loves Eagle Farm. Yeah, exactly right. But someone liked it, $31 down to 21 mm. I hope that was Murph. I hope he had some money on it <laughs> because uh, he, when he wins, he likes shouting and he'll be at Gallopers today. Superium, you can, you can put him in your basket of... Uh, uh, I, I nearly didn't mention it. Uh, what did I say? A rap sheet as long as you're armed with excuses. There's another one to put on it. Just loomed when Ron Lane said he didn't stretch out on the track, but he gave it, he <laughs> I'll, a, I'll he, write that one down. He had a perfect run. And, and uh, we've co- we've covered off the, all the features bar the last race. And, uh, well, I think I said at the 100 metres of the call, there's eight across the track. I just threw a number out of the, uh, up in the air, but I think it was eight across the track. <laughs> and it was Exhilarates running home best. Hasn't she been a good man? Magic, Magic Millions winner um, at two. She's been back there a couple of times, raced well. And she tends to bob up once every preparation. And yesterday was her day. Yeah, gave the, gave the big start and was the widest runner. Swept down the outside for Karen McAvoy to beat Sweet Deal, also a big run on horse and three-oud in third position. So that was Eagle Farm yesterday. As I said, I'll talk more about this meeting and uh, the, the concept in general tomorrow, but it was a great day and I'm sure the turnover will be excellent. We go to the Oaks next Saturday. Have you got an early fence in the Oaks? The, the tendency is just to say, well, Chris Waller will win it, but I think he doesn't have the first two favourites, does he? Dewis is, there, is, in, is in Queensland. She's at Deegan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark Newnham's filly who, who ran, ran on well in the Roses. So it's going to be an interesting... It'll be a good betting race. Yeah, a lot of other feature races as Stradbroke season continues. Nathan, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, David. Nathan Hanks will be joining me here on Past the Post this morning. Hope you enjoyed the show, and always thanks for your company. It has been great racing, and that will just continue as we do go to Oaks Day at Eagle Farm next Saturday. And I hope you can join me tomorrow morning on Press Room, all of our regular panellists and a couple of special guests as well. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye.